1: Welcome to Wednesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Just reminding you that it is Love Bug Week on Late Lunch all this week. Well, it's what bugs you about your love. You know, we've just reversed it a little bit. Tell me what bugs you about the one you love. And today we have a lovely prize. I mean that from the Glenside Hotel. I have a €100 euro voucher for Henry's Restaurant. It's beautiful at the Glenside Hotel to give away to one of you. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me. And WhatsApp as a voice note if you'd like to do. What bugs you about the one you love? And you could be going to Henry's for a romantic meal with them and discuss the topic if you'd like to do that. Anyway, over to you. Let's be hearing from you. Welcome again to the. Show. lots of guests Tammy Flemings in the studio in a little while He's going to sing for me here this afternoon. He's never sung in studio, he's singing live at late lunch this afternoon. But we begin today by a story you will have heard on our news and with Michael this morning and uh, we're approaching it from a different angle with a man, well he's a great friend of ours on late lunch, he's the founder of Mythical Ireland, he's such a talented fellow and he's sitting in the hot seat today. Anthony Murphy, welcome back to the show. Welcome Jerry. Thank you for joining Thank me you. today. Uh, the Leah Stone, the vandalism on the stone. By God, whoever did it, Anthony, did it proper. They've put fake on the
2: four sides of the stone, spray painted on. Not the first time it's been attacked. No, the third time in the past decade or so. And I hate to give them publicity, you know, because I think whoever did it thrives on that sort of thing. At the same time, um, can't sit by in silence and not express outrage about it, you know. Um, I got sent a few pictures yesterday evening from somebody who didn't want to be named and um, I put one of those pictures on Mythical Ireland online and um, the feedback was pretty um, unanimous, you know. Um, Yeah, the spray paint, I suppose one good thing about this is the fact that that probably can be removed, you know, without doing further damage to the stone. Um, What's the history of the stone? Just context. It it's for fascinating, listeners. Jerry. That the stone is a lot of people will know when they visited Tara. It's a phallic stone. It's an upright stone protruding from uh, on fora the royal seat or the coronation seat at the Hill of Tara. Now it, it's a it's a piece of granite. Um, it's not rounded. It's actually got four reasonably straight sides on it. It was. See, there's a dispute or a debate about whether it's the real Leofoil. So the mythological history of Leofoil is that it's the stone of destiny, that it was brought from Ireland actually by the Tuatha de Danon, according to the Book of Invasions, as one of four great objects or talismans that were brought, along with the Sword of Nuadu, the Spear of Lugh, and the Dogda's Cauldron. The Leofoil was said to scream under the feet of the rightful king in other words if a candidate for the high kingship of Ireland were to stand on the stone it would scream aloud to declare that he is the right one now if you look at the stone you'll know that it's difficult it's not the sort of stone that you would stand on this is part of the debate I suspect that feeds into why the word fake was used because of this long-running debate as to whether it's the real one or not. Now, according to historical sources from the 19th century, it was said that that stone was moved there to commemorate the croppies who had died in the Battle of Tara during the 1798 rebellion. And in fact, under certain lighting conditions, you can see that there's a cross carved into the stone and the numbers 1798. So that makes a certain degree of sense. There's a debate as to whether it was moved from close to the uh, Do-on-the-Neil, the Mound of the Hostages, which is a Neolithic passage tomb, the same age as Newgrange, close by, or whether in fact it was moved from uh, one of the trenches where it was found at On So that's uh, part of the debate about it. I personally don't think any of that matters, it's a part of a national monument. It's precious one way or the other, mm. you know. And even if it turns out that it's only a 200-year-old gravestone to commemorate the Croppies, so what? That doesn't give anybody the right, you know. Now, there's an interesting religious history to Tara. In the late 19th century, in 1899, a group styling themselves the British Israelites, uh, and this is quite widely known, they went and dug a portion of the Hill of Tara, uh, the Wrath of the Synods, Ra na Shanad, in the belief that the biblical Ark of the Covenant was buried under there. I kid you not. This is straight out of Dan Brown combined with, um, what's his name, Um, Indiana Jones and all that (laughs) stuff. But, you know, how is it that a group of uh, British Religious zealots came to believe that the Ark of the Covenant was brought to Ireland of all places. Of course, back then, Ireland was part of the British Empire, as Mm. it were. Um, So they had no reason to doubt their beliefs, even though we can prove that Tara was sacred long before the British ever set foot in Ireland. Um, So that's part of it. They caused a huge amount of damage. There was uproar at the time. Um, Maud Gunn uh, and uh, Arthur Griffith, who was the editor of the, what's the name of that paper, the the big nationalist paper at the time, the United Irishman. Uh, They organised a campaign actually against it. And eventually, see, it was under private ownership at the time. Part of the Hill of Tara was owned by a guy called uh, 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 Villiers um Briscoe Villiers Briscoe, and he uh, he was said to have been there during the quote unquote excavations. That they really were a mess, you know, mm. with uh, a bottle of whiskey in one hand and a shotgun in the other. In other words, you know, if any trespasser dares come up here, now I suspect, and it's only uh, this, I'm 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 speaking theoretically here, but I suspect that whoever did this is going on the theory that it is a quote-unquote fake. It's not the real Foil. You see, at some p- point in the past, it is suggested by the British Israelites, among others, that Foil, the real one, was taken away from Tara and brought to Scotland, where it was for a long time the Stone of Scone. And then later again, it made its way to Westminster Abbey, where it was placed under the coronation chair, the coronation chair for the British royals. Uh, and it eventually made its way back to Scone. Uh, now this stone is uh, something more akin to what you would expect to either stand on or step over. Mm. A lot of inauguration sites around Ireland for the kings had uh, stones, inauguration stones. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely familiar with the history of that but they're not phallic, they're not upright stones, mm. they're generally the sort of thing that you could so step So do you across. doubt
1: that it's the original stone?
2: I... I a kind of... I'm not... I I don't have enough expertise. I mm. do doubt it, yeah. But that's irrelevant as to far what as I'm concerned. It's totally
1: irrelevant. I absolutely agree with you and I couldn't endorse what you're saying more. It is irrelevant because if it is to do with the crappies, it's very historical as well, as you said, in its own right. So who's behind this? That's not a child that did that. No, I or suspect just, you know random vandalism. No, no, it's not a random no. act. Either. Look,
2: in 2012, somebody took an axe to the stone and and chipped a few pieces off it. In 2014, somebody uh, tipped a can of paint all over it. So somebody. And it may, I don't know, I'm not, uh, the guards are investigating, thankfully. I believe they had a forensic team up there, which is Mm. great. They're taking it very seriously. Uh, It may uh, be that it's either one individual has done all of this, or it's a, a group of individuals who all have the same ideology. I suspect that the person who did it is religiously, is motivated by religion. Um, You wouldn't believe the number of people who still believe all that nonsense about Jeremiah, the uh, 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 Old Testament prophet coming to Ireland and being buried at Cairn T at Loch Crewe. You wouldn't believe the number of people I've met who actually take all that rubbish seriously. I mean, it's worse than... It's like flat earth stuff. It's worse than conspiracy theory stuff, you know. Now, the problem is where a person takes it upon themselves to protest about, you know, because part of the religious aspect is that The stone being phallic, Michael uh, Slavin in the book of Tara refers to it as or says that it was known locally as the penis stone. And of course, the religious viewpoint about that is that it's a pagan symbol, you know, representing all that is wrong and bad and all that stuff about, you know, sex and all that stuff. Um, And so I, I would suspect the fact that they're calling it a fake, maybe that they have a religious motivation, you know. The other question, of course which you would probably naturally lead on to, is what can we do about it? It's just
1: my next one here on the notes. Do you close Tara?
2: No. and Now, there is a plan. There is a, a management plan for the Hill of Tara, which has been drawn up over the last number of years, which was revealed last year, which stresses that Tara suffers and has been for a number of years from its popularity as a destination not just for bus tours, but for locals walking and even for GAA teams training, you know, and stud, stud, stud marks damaging the monuments. Now, they are uh, National Monument Service, OPW, Mead County Council and other stakeholders. They are in the process of developing a plan for Tara. What we don't want to see, Jerry, in no way at all, is any closure or any... But you are sort of faced with the question, what else are we supposed to do? Tara is a publicly accessible hill uh, covered in monuments uh, that is vis you, you can visit it 24-7-365 any time of the day or night, any day of the year. The gate is never locked. And I would hate to see that changing because of one or two small-minded, yeah. sick-minded individuals, actually. Mm. People who are obviously not right in the head and need some sort of help. Um, do we fence it off? I don't know. They will undoubtedly factor that in to their plan as they move forward with it. It's taken years, to, you know, for the plan to be published. And there's a difference between publishing a plan and actually, you know, implementing it. Mm. Um But wouldn't it be sad that the actions of one or two,
1: you know, would ultimately lead and push in the direction thinking to say, well, we got to secure some or part of it or make some of it off limits or whatever. You're categorically saying today you don't want to see that
2: happen. I don't, and we've seen that actually at a number of places mm. over the past few years. There's been vandalism at a lot of Irish, mm. uh, not just Irish sacred sites, but actually prehistoric sites, a lot of Neolithic sites, and they're the most precious because they're the oldest. So we've seen, for instance, Cairn T is locked now. It's inaccessible to the public. Um, we saw damage to a cairn in uh, uh, in in, Sligo during the lockdowns, where somebody actually dug a hole into the cairn. Uh, uh, The the natural way of keeping people away is to lock them out. But I think you can only carry that policy so far before you, 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 you cause enragement among the general public, who feel, rightly so, that they should, because they always have done, that they should continue to have access to these places. But that access comes at a cost which is you know you have to vow on behalf of the people of the country and not just the country but in relation to say brunei bonia which which is a world heritage site we're minding that for the whole world mm. and i like to think we're doing the same for tara mm. you know and um, you can't lock people out um there is a quest uh, a suggestion uh, for cctv I mean, that's difficult as well. I mean, CCTV doesn't usually yield very good results in darkness, for instance. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, so, what do you put cameras everywhere? Cameras on the hills of Loch Crew and at the Hill of Tower. talking places about? places like Fornox you know? and yeah. the Hill of Slane and yeah. Mellifont and Monaster Boyce and all these places that are so precious. Is
1: there any getting through to those misguided people, you know, that have, you know, a different. Thought process in relation to this, you know. You generally, when you get people who take up a point of view, this is the sad part of the world today. There's no talking to them, and you know, and it's in more. The difficulty, than
2: of course, is we don't know who did it. Yeah, that's we it. can't sit that's them it. down in a room, yeah. and say what the hell were you thinking? Because that's what 99 percent of people who've seen those pictures today are are saying and thinking. What the hell were you at? You are not acting on on our behalf. This is disgraceful. Carry on. You know, you should be ashamed of yourself. But of course, it may well be that there's a person off there looking at all these headlines going, ha, 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 you know, lapping it up. I don't know because you don't know the psychological state of the person involved. All we know is that um, they have caused damage. It's vandalism. Mm. It is punishable under law. Can they be found and Tracked down and traced. It happened sometime. It's interesting because I've been speaking to people who were at Tara on Monday, and one person who who was at Tara till about five or six in the evening and said everything was fine. Now there were a lot of people around over the bank holiday. Remember, it was a bank yes, holiday, yes. Uh, the new Bridget's Day bank holiday, mm. um and uh, it may have been that the person went up there under the cover of darkness at two o'clock in the morning, and that look, that's the sort of stuff that it's really very 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 difficult they had to have a
1: bit of light because the way it's done on the stone just look at it you know it wasn't done with, without good you know there was something illuminated that stone to to put fake on it yeah very carefully on each side it's done well whoever did it you know what i mean it's not just a a rush job of that but look i suppose it's an opportunity to say today if you're around that area on bank holiday monday coming towards sunset or after if you noticed anything or in the early hours of the following morning the Garda are interested in yeah, hearing from you. Yeah, absolutely would
2: encourage anybody who saw mm. anything suspicious. I mean, at the end of the day, somebody went up there with with a spray can or a number of spray cans may actually have a spray paint on their clothing or on yes. their skin. Yeah. If you know this person, report them, you know. It's blue in colour. Anthony, I have to leave
1: it there for today. Thank you so much for, for dropping into in us. You're a mine of information, I have to say, and we'll have to pick up this story again. More about, we can do a whole series on the Hill of Tara. Anthony Murphy from Mythical Ireland. Thanks, Thanks for you. having me, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. The earthquake in Syria and Turkey. Oh my God, folks. I was watching the RT News last evening and I cried when I saw this little child coming from the rubble with it. With Somebody took this child out, this little face of a child looking out from the mass concrete. Oh, the tears just flowed. I just... It got me, it really did. And we're going to be talking about it a little later on with Derek O'Rourke. He's from Emid. He's out there working with Goal in the Syrian-Turkish uh, area. But first, uh, back local, uh, Anita Guzutok joins me. She's married to well-known Turkish barber, Tarkan. Hello, Anita.
3: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm really good. Thank you for talking to us today. No oh, Anita, my heart broke last evening to see that little child.
3: It's absolutely devastating, so it is like to be over here and not being able to help them is twice as bad, Joe you know that way, but thankfully, Carken's family is fitting well we got in contact with them so they're all fine thank
1: oh God oh my God they're in the area as well and they've come off safely but look at the, the figures today now it's growing the numbers lives lost of lives lost over 11,000 now and many still unaccounted oh, for and by, people by the shocking. end of the week mm. there
3: will be nearly by next week they could be even double that
1: mm. it's, it's, it's just heartbreaking it's just, it must be awful for him as well that, that not knowing until he made contact with them
3: well, his family is further up, so he's, yeah. like they are safe. Yes,
1: there's, yes. There's
3: other people living around Ireland and around Meath, and everything that can't get a hold of their family, and it's just heartbreaking listening to them, trying to get in contact with them.
1: And the situation is shocking on the ground, trying to get help in there as well. People can't are not going back into buildings for fear they'll collapse.
3: Well, there, there was a few videos of people standing outside, and then all of a sudden the building just collapsed.
1: Mm, and right in front of them. Out in the open at night time. And,
3: that's, and it's in parts of over there, like the snow and everything's very cold. People think Turkey, like it's very warm all year round. Very cold in the winter. Yeah,
1: of course. And they're all
3: outside, sleeping outside because they're afraid to go back in.
1: Mm. Uh, what's happening on the ground in Navin? Tell us what you're doing.
3: Well, we're trying to set up um, th- a few donations. There's Navin, Kells and Trim. Um Tarkins Barbers in Navin. We have Sonic Murat um, in Trim, Sonic Barbers. And we have Iden in Kells. Um, we're just asking for everybody if they can just hand in a donation. We're not looking for loads off everybody. We know everyone is struggling. But a hat, if someone bought a hat, if they came in with a hat, everyone came in with a hat or a pair of gloves or a scarf or something. Okay. And it'll build up. And we're going to bring it all up to the Turkish embassy.
1: Good on you. So Tarkan, he's well known in Navin there, Barbers in Navin. Sonic and Trim. Right, and who?
3: McDonald's. Um, he- Sonic Marmarat is Sonic Barbers over in Trim. And then we have Aydin, he is a Turkish barber in Kells.
1: In Kells, that's Aiden in Kells. So all Turkish men working away there in our communities and all open to take donations. So clothing, any type of clothing for, for children, adults or whatever. And children,
3: n- adults, everything. Anything warm that will keep them warm. That's what we're looking for.
1: And non-perishable foods, is
3: it? If, if they want to hand in food, that's no problem, non-perishable foods, we we'll take all that as well. Every little bit helps, So we we'll take anything.
1: Yeah, and uh, your plan then is what, to take it to the embassy and then get it flown out to to the area, is it?
3: The Turkish embassy up in Dublin, they're um, open 24-7 for the next couple of weeks and they'll take um, all the donations up there. We're going to bring it all up there and hand it in.
4: You're very
1: good and you're into action very, very quickly because I sat there last night and I just thought, what can I do? You know, you feel just helpless, Anita.
3: yeah. You feel totally helpless over here. And I feel so sorry for the Turkish community that they they feel helpless, that they can't help their own community.
1: So, oh my oh my god they hadn't enough trouble in their lives you know without this then descending on this massive earthquake and pulling the country apart and you know what i i i honestly believe now political differences all that stuff has to be completely put aside and just 100% Go for this and help these people in whatever way we, we can. So if anyone listening today can't get to either, uh, 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 any of the three barbers there in Navin, Trim or Kells, th- that's a message you want to get out as well. The embassy is open in Dublin, the Turkish embassy.
3: The Turkish, is, is, Turkish embassy up in Dublin is open and they're accepting all donations.
1: So, there's plenty of opportunity there to donate, and all will be received gratefully and it will be on its way to Turkey sooner rather than later. Look, uh, you're great, thank you for joining us today no to let problem. us know, thanks and we'll so keep we we'll, not at all. We'll keep pushing it for you, I promise you, okay. Thank
3: you. thanks so much.
1: take care of bye. yourself bye bye. That's Anita Guzutuk there from uh, Navin, uh, wife of Tarkin there. He's beside McDonald's in Navin, Sonic in Trim and Iden's in Kells. Uh, They're well-known places around uh, the Mead area. They're accepting all donations. Anything you can do would be gratefully received. I am so delighted to welcome my next guest back to studio on late launch. It's been far too long. Tommy Fleming, how are you? I'm
4: brilliant, Jerry. It's brilliant to be back. It's, it's nearly three years since I was in here. Absolutely. Yeah, unreal. It's um, a long time. So that's when I sent you, I sent you the email and said, I'd love to come in. So that's no problem. We're in. We're well, here. I, 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 you're looking better than ever, may I say. Oh, I don't know about that now. <laughs> yes, I, you are. I, <laughs> I feel good. Um, in the, the, halfway through the tour, um, sold out most of it, um, and I'm good. I'm in a good place. I'm in a really great place. Um, happy out. Um, things are. Uh, the, you know what? The three years that we had kind of off well, it was two of it mainly off. Um, taught us, I think, taught an awful lot of people an awful lot of things. Um, mm. Regroup, re kind of reset. Whatever the words you were looking for. Um, and I found it been. I found I loved it being home. I actually somebody said to me one day, "Did you find it awful?" And I said, "No, actually, I, I, I enjoyed the break. I probably drank too much and ate too much, like us all. But um, I loved it, and it was sweeter getting back. Now we we went back last year, yeah, in um, January, but it was still we were still at 50% restrictions and all of that. So this is the first year we're back without anything that has." restrictions or anything like that I
1: was looking at the Cork Opera House crowds going mad for you and full houses as well full houses houses, yeah
4: it was brilliant because we came back um, and I'm doing songs that I haven't done in years Mm. Um, there's you know the band are all there same crew of people around me um there's Simon here beside me now. He's he's the road manager that takes care of me. I, I I've got too old for driving, Jerry. So I just said to myself, "Do you know what? I will get into the get into the jeep seat back, and somebody can bring me there." So I am um, yeah. So it's all good. I'm really I'm in a am in a great place. Great stuff. And when you were
1: home, we were in the garden, we walking. What we up to? What did you get doing? I did
4: everything. Yes. I um. I got back doing the garden, which I hadn't been doing for a long time because I was never at home. Um, And then what I did in the first lockdown was Mm. I used to go for a run on the beach because it was within the 2K. Um, And then I'd get into the Jeep and I'd have the two dogs with me, Ted and Jodie, and we'd go off to the beach. And then on my way back, I'd sing a song in the Jeep for social media. And Teddy would come up and say hello to everyone in the car. And, And I did that for 100 days. Uh, I did 105 songs on 100 days because I did four at the end. Yes. Um, and that got, got that that was that gave me massive purpose because I got great reaction from the people online, and they were watching it all over the world. So it meant that I couldn't go. I wasn't able to go too mad on the wine the night before because I had to get up and sing a song in the jeep and be half. So it gave me great purpose mm. in that sense, um, and also. It connected. Everyone was connected, if that yes, makes sense. Yes, Um And then Tina and I then did, we have a bar in the house, which we turned the old t- kids' toy room into um, into a bar. The tavern, we call it. And uh, we would draft Guinness and draft Heineken. So we used to do a show from it every Saturday evening online called Tavern Tunes. So we had Jeep Tunes and Tavern Tunes. So I kept it going online as much as I could. And this is coming from somebody who... I didn't know how to use the sky remote before all this started. <laughs> and then I had to learn how to do iMovie <laughs> and do all of this stuff. Needs um, be, Tommy, you see. Absolutely, needs must. And, yeah. you know, And you know, when, when things, when you're put into a situation, you have to sort it. Hmm. And do you know what? It's I learned a lot in lockdown. I learned an awful lot in lockdown. Um, and I loved being home. I really loved being home. I ate way too much. I was the size of a house by the end of it. I've lost two stones since. Um But uh, Tina makes great Swiss rolls.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, you see, and Valentine's is on the horizon. Uh, Yes, and and, and, you know, I'm going to ask you this because we're having a bit of crack this week with the listeners. We're doing the love bug on late lunch. The love bug. You remember the movie, The Love Bug? yeah, yeah. yeah. But really, we're asking people what bugs them about the love in their life. You know what I mean? There's always something. No, there's
4: always, come on, Tommy. There's always something. Do you know what I mean? Um, That... Is there something you do that bugs Tina? Oh, now? completely. Is there? Yeah, Is there? I always have when I'm eating, I eat too fast and I get food all over my face when I'm eating so that drives me mad. <laughs> um, I um, I can't envisage that. I just can't envisage I, she that. H- I she uh, hates when I clean up in the kitchen because I have water everywhere. <laughs> I have an awful habit of when I just, well, I have my hands in the sink and then I just kind of shake them around <laughs> wherever i decide. Um there's, there's a lot of things that, that bug Tina about me. Um, I, Is I'm, there anything about horror? No, you better not say that today. We want
1: to keep it all all fair and love and warm. Do you know I mean? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> okay. going to hang out to dry today, <laughs> no, Tommy. Don't, don't. I just wanted to hear it the other way yeah. around. If there was anything that was imperfect about Tommy, there you are, it's the oh, There's a lot of things imperfect <laughs> about me. <laughs> with with all of us, isn't all it? It's yeah. like that as well. Anyway, that's the crack. I'm, I did read somewhere that, uh, I think it was in RSVP magazine last year, I was keeping an eye on you as well, and it was around this time. You don't do the date night. No. no. Date nights are not a thing you do.
4: Not at all. Because we, we, we have them every night usually. You, and I don't mean that way. That, that sounded all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Tina. <laughs> that sounded wrong. <laughs> <all laughs> right.
1: I was trying to save you putting your foot in it, can but we're, we, a, we're away now, we're
4: away now, for sure. Can we start this interview again? <laughs> three, um, two, one. Three, two, one, 1. and rolling. Um, <laughs> no, what I mean by that is, um, during lockdown, we used to just sit down, we'd open the bottle of wine and we'd watch a movie and we would we didn't get takeaway a lot. We cooked a lot. Yeah. But we'd put a lot... A, the biggest decision we had to make every day was what we were having for the dinner. Mm. Mm. And we kind of got... Um we got adventurous with the with you know, it wasn't just stew or whatever, you know. I I made sushi one night. And I know, I was very impressed. I put that up online as well how I made it. Um I you know, we we made like I did uh, chicken parmigiano. I did that another night. Oh, you're getting very exotic oh, God, from I'm Japan you, to Italy. I'm telling you, I was do- I did really well now on that. My other my other go-to dish was um pasta carbonara. Oh, and awesome. I made that from properly from scratch So you do have they do have the date nights every night folks so why would they
1: have one specifically for Valentine's Day when they're just doing it We don't do al- Valentine's Day at all
4: I don't find it
1: At know. all It's, it's not, not on not, the agenda not,
4: It's not on the agenda Well
1: you know what it, it, it's got carried away you know what the it's whole a, commercial has got
4: commercialism Hasn't it? Yeah. It's, it There's no doubt about it. Mother's that. Day Father's Day all of that it's just <laughs> <and> like St. <laughs> Bridget's Day that was the one that got me I'm thinking when did this become a thing <laughs> <laughs> Well Tommy God bless them I hope there's another for another bank <laughs> holiday,
1: in some of the months there's no bank holiday yeah, that it gives us the money off. But true. anyway, look, the
4: other thing is that you mentioned you got back on the road. You've been out to Australia, haven't I've you? Been, I've been in, over and back. Yes. I, as I said, without this time to turn around, um, mm. I was out for a week, um, less than a week actually, to do two TV things and some radio for the tour that's coming up in October November. Yes. Um it was great to get back. I hadn't been back in a, in 3 years. Mm. And I normally would be there every year. Yeah. Um and it was it was it was strange being back because where where the apartment is on um in Potts Point loads of the shops were all closed. Um, gone. That gone mm. that were open when when I was there in 19 but like everywhere. Mm. Um the world really kind of was turned on its head wasn't yes. it? And um A lot of things, you know, there was this lovely farmer's market that was beside the apartment that I used to go into. That was all gone. Um, You know, people... The one thing I found when I was there was they're not, the people weren't as friendly as they used to be. Mm. But I think that's everywhere. But you see, they shut the borders as well, you
1: remember, you couldn't go out there, none of us could, of they course. didn't let people move either um, way, they were very, very strict with closing down. But you're going back, I looked at the dates later in the year, y- you really are going to hit the ground, running, I know, running yeah. and all over the place, aren't you?
4: I kind of, do you know what, t- we were sitting at home the other evening and Tina said, are you sure about this? And I said, it's too late now, there's too set up. <laughs> they're all late. And there's something like 30 dates, I, there is? Um, I have been, the put two tours together. Yeah. So I should have done 15 one year and another 15. Yes. That kind of thing. But um, yeah, look, I'm there for nearly two months. So it's kind of... It's, it's almost like a second home to me. Yeah. Um, I love being there. And they love you. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> they do. They do
1: love you. I know this. They I, do. And those 30 dates are just going to be a dream for you. But before all that, you're in Ireland, I know. And UK is in the, in the schedule UK
4: as well. America is in, about to be put in for, uh, for June, end of June. Right. So we're doing about six dates in America. So, so you're making up for all that time you spent at home. I am. But there's a reason. There's a reason. There's always a reason. Um... I'm looking at kind of winding down at fifty-five. I turned fifty two I turned fifty two this year in May. And at fifty-five I'm kind of i have the eye on the I've the eye on the exit door. Really? I have, yeah, genuinely. Oh my. Um I because there's an awful lot of young fellas that are behind me that can come up and take the place if they need to. Um I've had a great run of it. I've thirty two years of doing it. I've had a massive run and um it's not that I'm bound out fully I'll still do the odd thing yes but I'm not I'm taking I'm t- taking a back seat a little bit oh I'm just <laughs> the wind you're after taking the wind <laughs> out of me sails
1: this <laughs> afternoon and I'm sure your fans who are all listening today so that's now listen this is really important the Carrickdale I think is sold out On the this, Carrickdale right, is sold it? out it's yeah. gone yeah, so yeah, the yeah. Carrickdale is full but the important one to mention is the 11th of March at the TLT in Drada which I know you love as well and they love you there as well great theatre uh, it's selling well it's selling great and it'll be sold out soon and it's going to be sold out now and you have to take on board what he's after saying to us just a moment ago the 11th of March and tickets you can get them at the TLT you itself. can get
4: them at the TLT for all details go on my website and yes. you can go straight to the box Absolutely. office Absolutely. I was looking yeah, at that myself last
1: evening Um it's great. Oh, my God. Now I'm going to have to take a little breath here for a minute and just take on board what he's after saying to me there.
4: I said take a back seat. I didn't say I was stopping. All right,
1: completely. that's good. That's good. No, he's not stopping. He's not stopping. That's the, that's the main stopping. thing. I, Are you going to sing for us? I'm going to
4: sing, yeah. if will I you? Yeah. I will. I'll sing. Actually, I, I know what I'm going to sing, yeah. Will you stick them headphones I'll on there the
1: headphones and uh, will get, the get the, the band
4: strung up? You've never sung for
1: me in the studio ever, well, ever no, before. Now is a first. Now, well, there's many firsts today and what we're after hearing <laughs> as well. He's not going away. He's not going away. I'm telling you that anyway. Let's have a listen to Mr. Tommy Fleming live on Late Lunch this afternoon.
5: <laughs> Don't give up Till it's over Don't quit if you can The weight upon your shoulders Will make you a stronger man Grasp the metal tightly, Although it will burn Treat your failures like Your luck is bound to turn So don't give up till it's over Don't quit if you can The weight upon your shoulders Will make a stronger man Look at the autumn flowers How they wither and fade With nature's hidden powers Next year they will be be made So don't give up till it's over And don't quit if you can The weight upon your shoulders Will make Stronger man Go! Watch the full moon Rising Like the ghost Of the sun nature's hidden prizes next year they will be reborn so don't give up till it's over and don't quit if you can the weight upon your shoulders will make It's over. And don't Don't. wait if you...
1: Oh, Absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! What a voice! What a unique voice, indeed! Fantastic, thank Tommy! You. Thank, thank you, you so much. No, it's uh, the first time I've
4: ever sang live in the studio. Yes, first time, first
1: time in all the years we had the tracks and we played, etc. But it's great to see you sing live and be with us here this afternoon. I really thank you. Not at all. Uh, thank for you for sing- having me. Oh, not at all. And you're, listen, li-
4: you're lucky I made it, actually. A <laughs> yeah, little birdie told me that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the driver, the
4: driver doesn't agree. The, uh, the driver does. I was I was I was half asleep in the jeep. And next thing I looked up and I seen a sign for Dundalk and I thought, Dundalk forty kilometers. And I said, Are we going to Dundalk or Drahada? And Simon said, Dundalk. I said, You need to go to Drahada. So it's like (laughs) to the right. Just, we'd have
1: been in some panic in here oh, had you not turned yes, up. Because you know when you have a hole like this on radio, what do you do? Oh well should look at the improvise, of course, but my dog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> stop. Stop. Do you want me to wipe out the listenership and just in, 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 in I an instant for you? Anyway, look, you're fantastic, and I know how much you're loved by your fans. And just to mention again, Carrick Dale is sold out on the twenty fifth of February. But if you're in the Northeast and you want to see Tommy, the TLT, if you haven't been to the theatre, it's a lovely, lovely venue lovely it theatre. really is a lovely, lovely and theatre. warm it is yeah. and you know there's a great show in store for you march the 11th from the tlt box office or onto tommy's website himself and that link will take you in there to book the tickets say hello to tina i will. and to everybody in sligo i'll be over for the fishing shortly as soon as <laughs> april comes in on arrow i can't wait anyway it's great to see you and you're looking wonderful Thank wish you. you well for thanks, the year you ahead too, Jay.
4: listen thanks for thanks, I, for I, for joining thanks me.
1: to everyone not Thank at all you. cheers tommy I want to dedicate that song today to Mr. Brian Riley and the lovely Patricia, especially for them today. And I mention them in particular because Louise, you know Brian, Brian Riley, he's. One
0: a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend.
5: Hit up quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com/upgrade.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight-loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. The Wednesday Club i never met him, but I know of him. You know of him and you
1: spoke to him when you did the deed on me back then. Well, Brian is a founding member of the Wednesday Club. He really is. He's there from the very beginning of matters with myself. And uh, I have to say, he is a key man in the Wednesday Club. Mm. And... Yeah, yeah. Oh, listen. Sorry, uh, this sounds like a very covert operation. oh, Oh, listen. This, this is this is espionage at its highest. Brian is the accountant of the group. Now think about that. He's the accountant. He looks after all the money for us. He makes us money. Now, mind you, he's like Ireland. There's been Celtic Tiger times. There's been lean times. Lean times. And all else in between. There's always been money for a few drinks. Always. Always. And I have to say, we trust him implicitly and he looks after matters for us. And he's on a money-making spree at the moment on behalf of the Wednesday Club. But he is the accountant of the group. Brian is originally from North Loud. He's a Roach Emmets man. He played for Roach, Roach Emmets in North Loud. But you see, he's lived in Drogheda for the greater part of his life now. Now, he still gets slagged about being from North Loud. You know what I mean? He gets the little dagger now now and again. But he really loves Drahada. He does. He's a passion for now at this stage. I don't know who he follows. After all these years, if you ask me, who does Brian follow no in way. soccer? I couldn't tell you I don't think he has a club I don't think there's a club he follows he loves sport all sport especially horse racing oh he loves his horse racing for sure but he's the quiet man as well of the Wednesday night they're the ones you have to watch he's the quiet man to a degree but if you rile <laughs> him up a bit his name is Riley if you rile Riley well you better look out you know what I mean it's one of those things you got to take cover then at that stage but he's great he always has an opinion he's a great friend of ours he's wonderful company and brian happy birthday he's the last of us to cross the rubicon oh Louise. no he's the last to cross the rubicon so yes a big
0: roundy birthday
1: big roundy 60 today brian happy did birthday did
0: you buy
1: him a drink last night uh it's tonight Wednesday, Louise.
0: Oh, I'm a day ahead of myself. You should be a day behind. You're always
1: at the bank, Holly's (laughs) well. I'm on Thursday. You're on Tuesday. But that's typical of me and Louise. Uh, (laughs) We meet somewhere in the middle, always for sure. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Damn. <laughs> so I have still two more days left. You have, weekend.
1: you have, you have. Anyway, Brian, happy birthday. See you this evening. We'll raise a glass for sure. Have a great, great day. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Oh, Louise, did you see this? Did you see this? I can't believe it. I think they're making a mistake. I think they're making a mistake, Louise. When you have something that's a classic, why remake Faulty Towers?
6: Did you uh,
0: hear that they're remaking it? I just uh, I, I just saw something I didn't read. it, I just presumed no, they're putting it out again. Why? No, no, can't do that.
1: No, you can't. No, you can't improve you something. That's just yeah, legendary. Some it wasn't he. What was it, a dozen, fifteen of the made ever? A mm. small number, perhaps a dozen, and they're classics and always will be. Why would you go back all these years later and ruin something that's simply mm. brilliant?
0: You never get anybody to
1: play like even the likes of O'Reilly. Yes. You never would get another no, the perfect. Of
4: course. He was and brilliant. A lot
1: of them have died, you know. Yeah. The old lady with the hearing aid. The two old elderly sisters.
0: Manuel? Manuel. Manuel died, yeah.
1: You know what I mean.
4: Stop.
0: Desist. Nah.
1: Desist, I say. Don't do it. Okay? Don't do it, please. Basil in the Ratatouille. I know nothing. Leave it. We know nothing. You know nothing if you're going to remake Faulty Towers, let me tell you. That's for sure. Anyway, don't do it. We don't want a remake. Please, just leave us... With the classic faulty towers, that's all we Why ask. Why they always do that? I don't know. Same I don't sometimes. know. And, and your man should say no, please. You know what I mean? He seems to say, have said yes. Forget it, baby. Forget it, please. Anyway, up next on Late Lunch, it's our doc. Yes, Dr. Kate McCann is with us, and she's talking today about the importance to your good health of friendships and relationships we're doing a lot of chatting about uh, valentine's day on the way and all the love that surrounds it and you know be underpinning all that of course is friendships and relationships and that's what we're going to talk about for the next while with our doc yes dr kate mccann a lifestyle medicine physician founder of mdoc health is on the line with me again hi kate Hi, Jerry. Good to chat to you. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Um, Look, I suppose uh, let's begin with, you know, a date. People have a date that begins a relationship. And you're talking about a date in establishing friendships. Explain, please.
7: Yeah, so um, I came across this expert advice when um, recently when I was reading an article. And um, it was kind of, it really struck me. I'm like, well, maybe that's a way to think of it. And it's the idea that, you know, it's hard to make new friends, it's hard to start romantic relationships, and maybe we need to approach them the same way. So a few experts um, suggested that why don't you try to make a new friend, basically the same way you would try to start to date someone, initiate a conversation, you know, offer or ask for someone's phone number, follow it up with a low pressure suggestion to meet up like coffee and, you know, make a decision of whether there's any kind of, you know, friendship chemistry and follow it up.
1: So it's a date and you're asking somebody, yes, to meet up, but it's not in a romantic sense at all. It's just to have a chat, to get to know somebody and perhaps kick something off.
7: Yeah. And it's, and this is really aimed Um, I mean, I suppose it would work for any age group It's really aimed at adults because one of the stats that really struck me was that apparently we are at our most popular when we're around 23. And then as we age, our social circles shrink. Um, So it's really, really common by the time that we're aging that our friendships have fallen away from numerous life events, including um, the fact that we move or, you know, family time takes up. Takes up our free time, Um, but yeah, it it can take real effort to either maintain relationships that we have with childhood friends or to make new friends with the new communities we find ourselves in.
1: I suppose then people are saying, "What the hell is a doctor talking about establishing friendships relationships for? What has that to do at all with health?"
7: It is critical. It is absolutely critical. Social connection is so important to our health. Um, it, we know that loneliness, and these are all, by the way, all these numbers, all these statistics, these are all from the pre-pandemic. I know a lot of people hear me talk about social connections, loss of it, and a lot of times my patients like, "Oh yeah, yeah," but it was different before the pandemic. I'm like, you know, it for some people it really wasn't, and we know from studies before the pandemic. That loneliness and loss of social connection raised your risk of cardiovascular disease by 50%. It's statistically a loss of social connections, loss of relationships is as big a risk to health as smoking or misuse of alcohol.
1: So it's important that we forge these connections and work on them and develop them through our lives. Because, you know, with life getting in the way, you mentioned, you know, people move jobs, move where they live from one place to another. Children arrive. Now, children should be a gateway into new friendships, let me say. But, you know, all those type of things, uh, you know, interfere with friendships and that as well. So what you're saying really is if you're... Social circle shrinks. It's up to you to go and rebuild that again, no matter what the circumstances.
7: It it is hard to do, and I think um, this the, this this you know the stuff I read here about approaching as a date. I found it very helpful because a lot of the of the tried and true advice, a lot of patients cringe at because the the tried and true advice has always been well, go take a class or go join a social club, and a lot of patients like, look, you know. I don't really have an interest I want to share with somebody Uh, or, you know, I'm awkward and, you know, going into one of these social groups. I think the other thing to talk about is, you know, obviously, you know, not everybody's up to um, initiating contact. Many people are introverted. Um, but, But the the other option is, is if you really are struggling, is to you can actually ask a doctor about social prescribing. Mm. Um, or contact a uh, social prescribing. It's literally that important that it's part of our HSC and healthcare that we actually have um, people whose job it is to help you get back integrated into your community and to form um, uh, social relationships.
1: So docs will know about this if you're struggling and you go to them. Don't be afraid to mention it to them. I mentioned children there because when people often move, you know, people move with jobs for other reasons as well. They go into a new area. Uh, Children and and school and that type of thing are a very good segue, aren't they, into developing new social circles and friendships?
7: You'd think that. And statistically, you know, children tend to do very well. They're Children socialize naturally. It's a little bit different for adults. Um, but you know I think it's one of the groups is that 90% of mothers of young children report loneliness during the early years of their childhood. So despite the toddler groups, the baby groups, and all of that, um, young mothers report some of the highest levels of loneliness.
1: Isn't that interesting? So it's not necessarily so. It doesn't hold as a rule that that will happen again. You must go and make the move and work on it. Is is it true that, you know, uh, even with all the connectivity we have with social media, etc., that our social circle of friends is decreasing?
7: Yes. And I think while social media can be a way of connecting, it really... Doesn't replace a real human connection. Mm. Um, the the human connection you get with having a meaningful chat with somebody who knows you is much much different than you know arguing with strangers on a social media platform. Um, so it still needs to be a kind of a real relationship, even if it's you're touching base with that friend using so using um, technology like a WhatsApp and a real person touching base is much different than you know, social media circles. So let's
1: look Um, at another aspect of this, say through sporting organisations, social clubs or groups, classes, things like that. What about those? They are good ways, yes, of course, of connecting with people and making new uh, friendships and more besides.
7: They are. And I think some people feel um, reluctant to get involved. Um, For people who are naturally Social who are confident and they have an interest or skill in that area, that is usually how they maintain or build their friendships or social circle. And for people who join those classes or join those sports club, but they still aren't making what they would have that that that, that meaningful connection, it may take an extra step to you know really try to actually connect with somebody or start a conversation.
1: So. so- There are people listening to us today who have a small circle of friends, maybe lack friends altogether, others who have too many. I've often heard of people saying, well, I have too many. When there's a vacancy, you can join my friendship group. I've heard this. Very funny, it may be. But lucky them. But how should you make the first move? You know, people are reluctant to make that first move to approach somebody. What do you say to them?
7: You know, that is actually interesting. And that actually goes back to another set of research um, that um, they found that People are very apprehensive about initiating a conversation with a stranger mm. under any circumstances or somebody they vaguely know. However, the research shows that most people do not reject somebody making an overture of starting a conversation. Most people appreciate it and that the fears of rejection are are, are just not founded. Um, we actually like to, as humans, most of us like to meet new people. Most of us like to have a chat. Um, And sometimes I think for people who are naturally introverted, for people who are shy, for people who lack lack self-confidence. And sometimes um, one of the um, sociology projects recently showed that just starting to challenge yourself daily to start a conversation with somebody in your community, you know, that's the barista at the coffee shop. That's the, you know, lady at the Aldi. These small conversations can build your self-confidence for interactions.
1: If you're, reluctant or you're too shy or you just won't don't want to make that move what about involving others? Say you have a friend or two, inviting maybe a stranger into a group like that to break the ice
7: Oh, this is where we're back to the dating model, yeah It's yeah. basically a group date <laughs> Exactly <laughs> so if, You know, if you want to expand your social circle and um, one of the ways is if you're going to go meet that friend you've had for 20 years for coffee, you, there's a new mother at the school gate you could invite that mother to join you. It's a little less pressure. One of the things that puts people off when they move into a new community or join a new organization is the perception they often feel is that everyone's social circle is set. Um, that that you basically, as you said, uh, we're not. T- I have no vacancies. You know. <laughs> um, so that's very much a perception that is a barrier to people making overture to be friends. They really do feel like, you know, social sets are free are are, are set. But to be honest, most of us would be happy to expand our social circle. And there's always that that level of intimacy. There's always that, you know, that very close best friend. But then we have another circle beyond that, which is that acquaintance zone um, that, you know, is is also there.
1: If it's not working, you know, and that's the other thing, perhaps they're not for you or you for them. It's okay to let them drift uh, after a few maybe meetups or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that
7: no there isn't and i think some of this is where that dating analogy when i when i read that said you know what that that's really good and because yeah you 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 go you start a relationship you're coming into and they actually the experts actually kind of gave it that three date rule the same that we tend to think about our romantics that if by the third date we can make a decision is this worth investing any more of my time in as a relationship um, so yeah, they say if you've kind of hung out or touched base with someone three times and there's no, and you're not really clicking, let them drift to acquaintance zone.
1: And there's more fish in the sea, as my mammy used to say, plenty more fish in the sea that you can actually uh, hook up with. So the three uh, rendezvous rule is is what you're talking about there. Look, you've been on about this for some time because I remember your talk to me challenge, which was last autumn time. And another thing you mentioned, I just want to come back to because interesting what you had to say there, children. Uh, school, etc., doesn't necessarily mean forging new friendships. And um, the the mammy bench that that was a great idea, wasn't it?
7: Yeah, no, that was that was 2018. It was one of was it back it then? Was one of the first wow. Yeah, so 2018. It, there was a piece about it in just in the media, and I and I wrote about it on when the social media project was just getting started, and it got a huge amount of reaction. And it wasn't my idea, but I read it, I'm like, this is a great idea. For people who don't know, in schools, they sometimes have a buddy bench, not so much in Ireland, but more commonly in the U.S. So if a kid is, it can sit on that bench and basically says, I'm looking for someone to play with today, works very well with young children. Um, that you know, If you don't have anyone to play with, you can sit on the bench and someone could come over and say, look, will you, will you hold the other end of my skipping rope or you join our ball team today? Um, but this, this, this writer, Backham's piece in 2018, said, look, did we have a bench in the playground for mothers that basically is labelled and painted and says, I sit here, I'm happy.
1: That bench, it was a, a, an icebreaker as such and enabled people then to, to make the connections.
7: Yeah, because when you sit on that bench, you're saying I'm looking to make a connection with somebody in short. Whether you're a child on the schoolyard or a mother on the playground, now, I've never actually heard of any community setting up one of these these um, these uh, mammy buddy benches. Um, but you know, it the amount of reaction that 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 idea garnered, both when I shared it on, on on my project and the original piece that was circulated, you know, it, it's something it's something to think about of um, in our communities mm. and, and integrating people who are who do find themselves suffering from loneliness.
1: Yes, indeed. Mammy benches is uh, something to be considered uh, in or near the school or in uh, playground areas or, or whatever, for sure. But if you see somebody, I think the message today is that looks alone, looks lonely or that, do have a word. You never know where that will lead to. And as Kate has just mentioned there... These connections are so important to our overall good health. We need other people. We are social creatures. You can uh, follow Kate on mdoc.ie. That's E-M-D-O-C dot Or if you Google mdoc across social media, she's there as well. Or mdoc health. Until the next time, with Valentine's on the way, many happy friendships to you
7: you too jerry take care
1: take care of yourself bye-bye that's dr kate mccann there who joins us each month to talk about different aspects of health there you are friendships relationships connectivity so important to our overall good health it's wendy on wednesday something bugs her about the love of her life hi wendy Hiya, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Well, God help you is all I can say because uh, you've given me a little list here about himself. Talk to me first about him feeling that it's summer all year round.
6: Oh, yes. That was yesterday's one. Yes, he wears shorts all year round. In any even weather, in, even in that freezing yeah. weather we've just had even lately. In the freezing, yeah, yep. Oh, no. Yep.
1: And, and, and and do you say it to
6: him? Do you say it? Yeah, come I, on. I just say it to him. Oh, he gets out of the car and I just turn my head and I see people watching him. <laughs> just leave him to it. <laughs> <laughs> and is it true that even extends to uh, formal
1: occasions where he likes to show the leg as well?
6: Oh, we're actually, we're going to a wedding in a couple of weeks' time and I said, there's no way are you wearing the shorts and he's settled on a kilt but he is Scottish <laughs> so he's going to get away with it
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there's no stabbing it. And tell you tell me has he a nice pair of pins anyway Ah, he has. He ah, there that. you go. And there must be. And you know when he shows them all year, they have to be hardened to the weather and a nice tan
6: colour on them. Oh, I take it. He does say, yeah, he does say, oh, that's the Scottish blood, you yeah.
1: know yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not all that. You see, I think you you've been drawn up a list. Tell us about this snoring problem, will you? Yes.
6: Uh, In the evening, we sat down to watch TV and there's a program that he wants to watch. So we start watching it and lo and behold, a few minutes later, the snoring starts. (laughs) So I shake him, I say, Paddy, you're falling asleep. And he sits up straight and he goes, oh no, no, I'm watching it, I'm watching it. So I leave him alone, a few minutes later, the same again. So I switch off the television, the lights and I said, right, bedtime, two minutes into the bed fast asleep and I go back down and watch the telly <laughs> <laughs> I can't even watch it in the bedroom because he'd be snoring I'd have to turn it up that loud I'd wake the neighbour's children
1: <laughs> that's a great trick I have to say you absolutely pull the wool over his eyes and he falls for it yes he knows no difference ah oh, he's a no softy you see as well yeah, and, and is, tell though. me if you left him at it through the night would would he ever waken you at night time snoring or does he eventually settle down
6: he
1: does,
6: but he gets a few kicks, like very
1: likely <laughs> elbows and <laughs> the ribs, etc., and a little bit like that to, to, to keep him quiet. Well, there you are. He loves showing off the legs, and the snoring is an issue. But you still love him to bits, uh, I take it.
6: Do I do. Uh, the for the world. <laughs> how long are you married? We're actually not married, we're just partners. We met uh, actually on holidays oh. uh, during COVID. Oh, jeepers! <laughs> and kept in contact when we came back. So it's lovely. About- Two and a
1: half years. Ah, so. oh, good on you. That's yeah, great yeah. here. You see the way I'm being presumptuous there. Sure, listen, there's l- <laughs> more people in partnerships today than there is actually tying the well, knot. Come on, that's the way it is indeed. And <laughs> oh, that's lovely. So anyway, uh, you're all set for
6: Valentine's. Do you do anything, you know, or have you been uh, yet? We We do. We, do. Right. we I'll make a nice dinner. Um, he might be just in from work, so just have a nice dinner.
8: There you, you know, go.
6: Last week I got flowers. Did you? I'm saying uh, yes. I. I said, it's not Valentine's Day yeah, uh, yeah, but it doesn't matter <laughs> so,
5: ah. he's a
1: keeper <laughs> he, oh, I'm just going to say that you hold on to that man tight yeah. despite his hairy legs and his snoring <laughs> <laughs> when you're trying to watch the telly he's worth his weight and gold well listen well I tell you, one day soon you, you won't have to cook for him because I want to give you a 100 euro voucher for Henry's at the Glenside and they're ah. going to look after you up there for a lovely romantic meal for the two of you, and in enjoy it and make sure he doesn't wear the shorts. The kilt he might get away with, but not the shorts. No
6: problem, Jerry. Thanks very much.
1: Congratulations to you. Thanks for getting Thank in touch you. with us. Thanks, very bye Not bye. at all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have you a story? Is there something bugs you about your loved one? I have another great prize tomorrow and again on Friday. Let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Heading to the top of the hour at three in the company of Mr. Phil Collins. A groovy kind of love.
5: You agree? Baby, you and me, really kind
1: of Time for this and late lunch
5: Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top 5 songs from this week of yesteryear And today it's...
1: Yes, This Week in 1979. And when I tell you about this song, it was first recorded by Twiggy. Yes, Twiggy of all people, as a single in May 77, but it really didn't do that well. It was pitched then to Sandy Shaw and she didn't like it at all. So it fell on the three degrees to record it and take it. The top five in the UK Here is your number three number three in our top five countdown this week on late lunch three degrees and woman in love and actually number three was its highest chart position it peaked at that position and the only way was down after that we've had well, we had your five this week with the bank holiday but we had number four yesterday three today two tomorrow and the big number one coming your way on friday you love tomorrow i promise it's a classic and of course friday's number one now we're going back to this shocking situation in Iraq and Turkey with the earthquake. The images coming through are just horrendous. They really are. Up next, we're heading out to the region to join Derek O'Rourke. I've spoken to him a number of times over the years in late launch. He's from County Mead and he's an advisor to Goal in the Middle East. <laughs> Derek O'Rourke from County Meath, is regional security Advisor with Goal in the Middle East, and he joins me on the line. Afternoon, Derek.
8: How are you, Jerry? How's it going?
1: I'm very good. Thank you so much for speaking to us today on the show. Um, no words, Derek, to describe the effects of the earthquake. You're very close to it on the ground out there. You're in touch with the Goal people. It's catastrophic.
8: Yes yeah, we've never seen anything like it before um jerry um we've um we've over two hundred and fifty staff in, in Turkey and over a thousand in syria um that's that's a team of you know extremely experienced extremely dedicated you know humanitarian responders um on the ground who are who are who are you know who have been working for for over ten years on the Syria response in Syria and the Syria refugee response in Turkey. But the problem is at the moment is 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 that all the staff in Turkey, every single one of them, is homeless. Um, their homes were destroyed. Um, similar story on on the Syrian side of the border. So we've been spending the last three days trying to gather up our staff, trying to account for them all, trying to find them, trying to rescue them. Um, um, and 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 we're more or less ready now to start um, start doing our work.
1: So the rescuers had to be rescued. Uh, that which is a a shocking vista as well the people who others were relying on as you said you're there in the midst of this my god what those people have been going through with war and everything else these last number of years this is the last thing they wanted is it getting to the stage now it's search and rescue and it has been up to this up to this but as the days go by the hope of finding people alive really does diminish derek
8: and, and it does, you're absolutely right, Cherry, and, and compounded by the fact that uh, every night the temperature drops well below zero, there's snow in certain places, um, and, you know, even, even, if, even if a, a building is, 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 you know, partially damaged, par- people are afraid to go into anywhere. So be- people are rather to be standing out in the street in the elements than go into a partially standing building because there are constant aftershocks. There was three or four more today. The ground is shaken every few hours. Um, you know, so there could be another big one coming. That's what everyone's afraid of. Um, so, 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 you know, search and rescue is very, very difficult because, you know, you need the heavy machinery. There's a fuel crisis. Uh, there's no electricity. So there's no lights at night. Communication is extremely difficult. I've been trying to communicate with staff over the last three days. It's been a nightmare. But we've been working around the clock. Uh, the management uh, teams in, in, in Syria and Turkey have been just trying to gather ourselves, trying to get ourselves uh, into a position where we can we, where we can do our work. What we've only been able to do right now is search and rescue in, in Syria. And luckily, you know, we have a shelter program in Syria, so we have contractors who have heavy machinery and excavators and stuff. So we've been trying to dig people out of rubble, including our own staff. And, um, and that's what we've been doing, and that's what we've continued to do. But we've assessed all of our, our premises, our warehouses, what we have in terms of stock, Luckily it's 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 winter, it's the winter programme, so we have we have winter kind of stock there available. But getting new stock then in, you know, it's going to be a nightmare because it's not easy to get things from, from Turkey to Syria at the best of times. And now we've a situation where we've got destroyed roads and um, we don't know the state of the of the border crossing, you know, actually to move trucks across. And then the roads on the Syria Syria side, Jerry Before this earthquake, weren't the best. And and my teams have been trying to drive from town to town in northern Syria the last few days and finding it extremely difficult. Fuel is a big problem, but we get all of our fuel across the border from Turkey. Turkey needs fuel. You know, we want to get our bakeries in in, in Syria back up and running, making bread. and We need fuel for that and we need flour and you know our, we buy our flour and our yeast in turkey we don't even know if the if the mills and the factories in turkey that we buy from uh, have the capacity if the, if 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 they're if they're able to work they don't have electricity um if if they're, if they if their premises are damaged and et cetera. so it's just you know it's just been a nightmare it's it's, it's awful and i'm not even talking about the extent of the, of the damage uh, that's been done you know there's ten ten 10 cities in, in southern turkey that have been destroyed God knows how many towns in, in, in northern Syria just, have uh, just collapsed, flattened, you know.
1: Mm, it's Armageddon, and you're trying to function in that type of situation. You know, you've been out there for a reason, because war is raging too. This is not time for all the protagonists in war just to desist and say, stop this, stop this, full stop, and tackle this crisis. Will that happen?
8: Well, you know... <sighs> A situation like this, when an earthquake comes around, and 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 people have to work together, and people have to put aside their differences for the, for the moment, you would hope that that might be some sort of catalyst for for um, for change mm. in, in that respect. Um, but you know, I would I wouldn't be holding out hope hope on that, um, Jerry. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's, these, are, these are these are bigger issues that. Um, you know, and 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 the, and the Syrian people and and the Syrian refugees in Turkey and the Turkish people from that part of the country, you know, they they wouldn't have wished a catastrophe of this scale to put them to put their issues back on the map, you know. Yeah. And back in the talking points. Mm. But
1: my God, you'd think if there was humanity about our decency that this would happen but i i I do hear what you're saying you're responsible for a big team of people and i was just reading more about you uh before i came on air 4.1 million uh people dependent on humanitarian aid in syria most of them women and children and look where they find themselves now and you have this in the midst of it you know hampering all that type of thing can this uh, like, death-wise, I'm sure the total is going to rise, but are those 4.1 million and others, are those lives now in danger?
8: Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it it might sound crass to say, but, you know, a lot of those 4.1 million have been living in tents. And, and at least they didn't have buildings falling down on top of them. They were actually, in a way, it, it, it might be an awful thing to say, but they were a little bit better off than people that were in houses that fell down. Mm. um but yeah the, the 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 humanitarian need in northern syria we've spoken about this before jerry it's always been massive like you say you're talking about millions of people um but now we're on an early estimate thinking that the affected people from this Um, this earthquake, um, it's it's probably around 23 million people. We're we're trying to work out what's the population catchment area of the 10 affected cities and all the towns and villages around them in southern Turkey and then that whole area of of northern Syria. We're we're thinking it could be around 23 million people are going to need help. It's going to take years, if not decades, to rebuild those cities um, and towns, but the immediate need is, is, you know, how do you put up temporary shelters? How How do you... Put twenty-three million people into in, in, into shelter. How do you feed them? How do you get them water? How do you get them the medical care that they need? Hospitals don't stay up in earthquakes, Jerry. The hospitals fell down too. Do you know what I mean?
1: And we think we have problems. Honest to God, it pales into sig- insignificance when when you just try and contemplate the vast scale of this disaster. I sat watching the news last night a little boy being pulled out from the midst of mass concrete or maybe a little girl I'm not sure which and the little eyes as the child came up and into the arms of this man and I just was I was just heartbroken to be honest with you watching and and many listening to us today most listening to us the majority want to do something how can we help you Derek?
8: Well um, we, we have um, uh, 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 put a, a donation page on our website on gold.ie and there are links on all of our, our social media channels as well. So please, um, if, 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 you know, we're there and we're ready, it's not as if we have to fly people in. We've got people on the ground. We've got, we've got the wherewithal. In many ways, we have to start from scratch. Everyone lost their laptops. Everyone lost their homes. We've lost, our offices in, in Turkey are gone, just fell, just collapsed, fell down. We, we've only got a couple of cars left in our fleet in Turkey. But we do have, you know, we do know that area. We know how to get things from Turkey into Syria. We know the ground. We've been working there for 10 years. I've got over 1,000 staff in, in Syria. I've got over over 250 staff in Turkey that know how to do this. So it's just a matter of getting our logistics together, our supply chain together. You know, but at the same time, Jerry, Goal has been hit hard. You know, we've we've still got staff that I can't account for that are uh, that are under rubble that we're trying to get out that we're trying to locate. Um, as I said, we're doing our own search and rescue in in, in Syria. We pulled out a, a four-year-old girl uh, at about four o'clock this morning and got her to a hospital. Sadly, she passed away. Today, we've been pulling our own out, both alive and dead. Um, and and you know, we've 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 lost staff and we've lost. Um, uh, staff have, have lost families we've got, we've got injured staff and, and you know this is very hard and it's going to take us a long time to recover but you know if, if there's one thing about I know about my colleagues in, in, in Syria and Turkey over the last 10 years they're extremely resilient, they're extremely dedicated, they're humanitarians and they're, and they're ready to roll up their sleeves and get working again you know
1: Derek O'Rourke is a mead man, folks. He's one of us in the North here in Ireland. He's heading up this incredible task. He has people on the ground in Syria and Turkey. The aid will go directly to these people to help those desperately in need that we're seeing on the news and hearing about here on the radio and reading about as well. Goal.ie is the link goal.ie do what you can i'll be doing what i can i promise you this evening because i want to help and it's guaranteed it goes directly to the people most in need derek i have to leave it there today i'll be back to you i promise we'll keep in touch i wish you well god bless you with all you do
8: jerry thanks a million thanks for your time
1: not at all take care of yourself Bye bye Goal.ie, an Irish organization That on the ground. They don't have to fly anybody in. They can get cracking immediately. I know you'll do your best. Tomorrow in Late Lunch, Dr Harry Barry about his new book and Ashling Lowe reminds us the uh, call that's on food banks today, greater than ever and more besides. Eddie Caffrey's coming with The uh, Drive here on LMFM Radio. Stay with us. We'll see you for Thursday show at 1.30.